this hour by Frederick Remington Fully Cooked Ready to Eat Bacon. Exclusive no refrigeration 10 year extended shelf life bacon. The thickest media center cut bacon in the industry at fullycookedbacon.com. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to hour number two of the broadcast. I've been really looking forward to this interview to kind of set this up for you. Martin Luther King Jr., an American clergyman and civil rights leader, was shot at the Lorraine Motel in Memphis, Tennessee on April 4th, 1968. He was rushed to St. Joseph's Hospital and was pronounced dead at 7.05 p.m. Central Time. Of course, we all know he was a prominent leader of the Civil Rights Movement and a Nobel Peace Prize laureate who was known for his use of nonviolence and civil disobedience. James Earl Ray, a fugitive from the Missouri State Penitentiary, was arrested on June 8, 1968, in London at Heathrow Airport. He was extradited to the United States and charged with the crime. On March 10, 1969, James Earl Ray pled guilty and was sentenced to 99 years in the Tennessee State Penitentiary. He later made attempts to withdraw his guilty plea and be tried by a jury, but that didn't happen. He later died in prison in April of 1998 at the age of 70. There are so many questions about the Martin Luther King assassination, and we have uh, two of the top experts uh, with us tonight. I understand that um, Stuart Wexler, of course, is one of the authors. We've been mentioning this. Also, Larry Hancock is with us. However, I believe that we're still having trouble connecting with Mr. Wexler, but we do have Larry Hancock. Both of these gentlemen are expert researchers in uh, intelligence and have many books between them. And uh, Larry Hancock, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, sir. Happy to be here. And Stuart, I, we're, we're looking for him. So apparently there's a, a Skype issue and a phone number issue, but I have people behind the scenes working on it. And by the way, Mackenzie, uh, if, you, if you get Stuart, just bring him right in. Don't just bring him right into the show and just uh, let me know. Okay, uh, Larry Hancock, I want to start by maybe going a step back even before your book starts, some of the things that I don't think people really understand. So I've been to the Lorraine Motel. This was not a fancy place. In fact, it was a motel. All the doors faced uh, the outside. And uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was actually standing right on the second floor uh, outside his room and was totally exposed in that position and i wonder i always wondered because i know the man had many many death threats um why was that even allowed to happen what type of security did he have and uh how could he have been left to be exposed in that way i think it gets back to dr king himself as you say he had had many threats over the years he'd had uh, bombing attacks against places he had been scheduled to say, shooting attacks against... At that, by 1968, he had accepted the fact that he was at risk. And his, his speeches admitted the fact that he, he accepted that fate and he was going to carry on without any exceptional security. He did not have exceptional security in his, in his hometown of Atlanta. He did not when he traveled. Um, when he had come to Memphis, actually, the Memphis police had offered some special close-in security. They had people within a block or so of him. 
but there had been a real confrontation against the local uh, folks that he was supporting in their labor struggle, and they had been subjected to police infiltrators and surveillance. They were very unhappy with the police, and literally the group that was working with Dr. King asked that the police stay back, uh, stay back, not in his direct vicinity. They were monitoring the Lorraine Hotel from a fire station across the street, but there was no special security other than his close associates. And he had been at the Lorraine before. He did not. He didn't like fancy hotels. He liked to be with the people, and that's that's where he was. Very interesting, and I understand from my producer, we now have co-author Stuart Wexler with us. Stuart, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for having me. We're we're just we're we're setting this up by talking about uh, for those that haven't been to the location of the Martin Luther King uh, assassination, the Lorraine Motel. My reaction when I visited the site was, "Wow, Martin Luther King was here." I, it just seemed so understated for a man of his stature, even at that time, and then to be standing outside on the balcony like that i i can't process that but that makes a little bit more sense now what larry is sharing uh, talk for a moment about his security details so a man like him uh didn't have anything like uh, private bodyguards or anything like the secret service or or anything along those lines we definitely know he did not and i guess i'll finish up by saying the reason he was on the balcony is he was simply going to have dinner with friends that night at locals. And sometimes in Memphis he actually stayed at their homes, but he was okay. actually going to have dinner. He had been out on the motel room before talking to the driver, the folks that were going to transport him, and this was his second time out on the balcony. So he was not bashful at all, and he unfortunately made himself a good target. And uh, Stuart, uh, tell us who else was with him. Obviously, we know um, that he was not alone. Uh, there was the Reverend uh, Ralph Abernathy was with him. Um, also, Jesse Jackson was with him. Uh, how many people were, were with him at that time? Well, up and around that area, if you sort of look at the, for instance, the photographs of when he is actually shot, there's about five or six other people with him. There's, uh, for instance, Andrew Young is with him, the uh, future U.N. ambassador, um, very famous civil rights activist. There, there, there's about five or six of some of his closest friends. He actually had a pillow fight with some of them not long before the actual shooting. Uh, so th- that would be the answer to that question. And, Stuart, how, how many other... Uh, actual attempts were made on Martin Luther King's life. Obviously, there were so many threats. We don't probably don't even know how many there were altogether. But uh, were there ever any other uh, close calls before this? Multiple. Um, there were many times where he was very lucky that his itinerary had changed, or that an informant might have said something at the very last minute. The, a few examples, when he went to do the eulogy for the four young girls who were killed in 1963 at the 16th Street Baptist Church, there were a handful of people, and we could probably get to it later, there are people who are connected to what we believe were the plots that ultimately killed him, who were trying to kill him that entire time he was there and to follow up with the eulogy but they simply couldn't get a clean shot because he was surrounded by such a large crowd. In another instance, in 1965, his cottage was shot up, and he was just lucky he wasn't in the cottage at the time. He had gotten a little bit of an advance warning. In another instance, when he was traveling from Mississippi on his way to doing voting rights activism in Alabama, an informant told law enforcement that he had that there was a plot by the white knights of the Ku Klux Klan involving both snipers and potential explosives. Wow. 
he was lucky again to escape. Again, to, to dodge a bullet, no pun intended, uh, there as well. So much more to talk about. The book is called Killing King. Its authors, Stuart Wexler and Larry Hancock, are here. We'll have so much more after this break. Don't miss it. Hi, this is radio talk show host Jim Paris. And if you are like me, you hate all of those monthly bills. Well, I reached the point about three years ago that I decided enough was enough, and I went to war with my personal stack of monthly bills. I canceled cable TV and legally connected my television to the Internet, and now I get hundreds of free TV channels, and I don't pay for cable TV. I found a little-known way of getting free home phone service for life, and I discovered a totally legal way to opt out of Obamacare and cut my health insurance bill by more than 60% per year. If you want to learn more about my personal war on monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. That's christianmoneyplus.com. If you're just plain sick and tired of those monthly bills, check out my website, christianmoneyplus.com. Were you born before the year 1956? If so, did you know you could be collecting between $575 and $2,200 in tax-free income right now? All thanks to the FHA. Or what about this? Did you know 54 U.S. congressmen have used a special tax-free account to earn up to 35 times more on their money? It's true, and you can do it too. These are just two of the secrets revealed inside a stunning new book from the Palm Beach Research Group and Ted Benna, the man behind the 401k. You'll discover the 18 best cash cows that can help you earn up to an extra $6,800 a month. Just go to 501kbook.com right now. If you're at or near retirement, this book is a must read. You can get your own free copy. Shipping and handling charges apply. Just go to 501kbook.com right now while there are still copies left. That's 501 kbook.com 501kbook.com just go to 501kbook.com right now Get the ultimate knife at an ultimate price. The Fox Karambit Knife. Finally available in the U.S. The Fox Karambit Knife opens with one hand. Faster than you can pull a handgun. For utility, for defense, and for way less than other knives of this caliber. Go to TheUltimateKnife.com. Truly the best knife you will ever own. And only available at TheUltimateKnife.com. Use promo code RADIO at checkout for free shipping. Get the ultimate knife at the ultimate price. At TheUltimateKnife.com. It's been said, any society is only three missed meals away from chaos. Those times may be near. Think about it. Our country faces multiple terrorist threats and aggressions from Russia and North Korea. Social unrest and violent marches yet again may lead to looting of stores and city shutdowns. And our crumbling infrastructure leaves our power grid vulnerable to long-term outages from a single cyber attack. When the chaos from any one of these threats arises, the government knows it can't provide during a widespread national emergency. That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in. Get a four-week survival food supply for only $99. That includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Order online at preparewithgcn.com. $99 for four weeks of survival food that tastes like homemade cooking and lasts up to 25 years from My Patriot Supply. Get your kits today at preparewithgcn.com. Free shipping is included. Preparewithgcn.com. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state, until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. listening to Jim Paris live. The book is called Killing King. It is available right now on amazon.com and uh it is a hardcover book. It would be a fantastic 
gift, uh, also a great addition to your own library. Authors Stuart Wexler and Larry Hancock are here. And I wanted to ask you, Larry, if you can take us through the actual act itself, like give us the the day of uh, kind of timeline of uh, how this was all staged, where James Earl Ray was positioned, um, you know, what, what led, how this all, I mean, obviously he was in a position to take that shot. Um, was he there multiple days? Was this his first day? Give us sort of that, 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 uh, run through of what happened that day, the lead up to the, to the assassination. Sure. Um, Dr. King himself had been there all day long. He and his, his staff were dealing with two problems. First, there were legal challenges to the march that he was supposed to lead. The, the city government definitely did not want another march. Um, so he, some of his staff were in court and dealing with efforts to block the march, and he was coordinating with them. He was also meeting with a small group of young black activists who actually had been responsible for turning an earlier march violent, and he and his his folks were meeting with them and trying to draw them in line and convince them. So he'd been at the he'd been at the motel all day long, and you know he had been in and out, uh, quite visible, and and was as I said being observed. Um, so his comings and goings were quite visible to the public. He, he he had actually been on television. Uh, his lo- location had been broadcast on television. So there's nothing secret about his location. James Earl Ray had been in the area the night before and stayed at a motel outside of Memphis. Um, we know from the evidence that he he had he knew King was there. He had local paper in his room talking about King and where he was and what was going to happen. Uh, that day, that afternoon, he checked into a motel or a rooming house, actually, across the street from the Lorraine Hotel. Um checked in, was quite picky about what room he was given, and, and ended up with a room that had a kind of a poor sideways view over to the Lorraine Motel, not an ideal view, um, but there weren't that many available. He checked in, strangely enough, brought a lot of stuff up from his car, personal possessions, things that were traceable to him, brought the rifle that was going to be used up to the room, and then he left. And then he went away and and we don't know exactly what he did for sure, but one of the things he did was to go out and buy a set of binoculars. He brought a pair of binoculars. Obviously, he was observing King. There's there's no doubt about that. His claims that he didn't even know King were in town were ridiculous. And then later that evening, um, when Dr. King was, was out on the balcony, um, supposedly, officially, uh, Ray actually took the shot, not from his room, but from a bathroom in an adjacent area right down the hall in the rooming house. And um, that was where the shooting was from. Uh, witnesses did complain that someone had been in the bathroom for quite a period of time before that with the door locked, and the folks that were staying in the rooming house were kind of wondering what was going on. So this was the kind of place where you got a room, but there was like a shared bathroom. That's it, Absolutely. And and it was that bathroom that gave that gave him the perspective he needed uh, to take the shot. That's fascinating, uh, Stuart Wexler. What do we know about James Earl Ray? I know that your book does not follow the narrative that we hear in so many of these kinds of stories, where he was just a patsy and really someone else did it. That's that doesn't apply here. And I know you neither of you take that position. But tell us about the man and uh, what his real motivation was here. Well, the key thing to understand with Ray, he was a career criminal, and what motivated his life of crime was the pursuit of money. So when they went to virtually everybody who knew him closely <clears throat> after the killing, those people all you know, pointed to if he did it, he would have done it for money, for some kind of hope of some kind of a bounty. And so that's really what we believe motivated Ray. At first, when he escapes from prison, it's not on the front of his mind. He's familiar with bounty offers that, some of which are vague, some of which 
point to a certain sort of southern clique of people who want to kill Martin Luther King. He's familiar with them, but his top priority is to try and, after he escapes from prison in April 1967, is to escape the country. But when he fails to do that, over time he explores the plot because he wants money. And we ultimately believe that he sort of enters into the plot or in a lower capacity and then tries to elevate his role again because of money. He believes he can get more money if he takes a more serious role in the plot. What was he in prison for uh, before this where he escaped? And how much money was he offered that we do we know uh, to be a part of this plot? Well, he was in prison for things like robbery, and he the the plot that we believe was circulating was a plot for a hundred thousand dollars. Now we can't be certain that he knew exactly which organization it was, but it was from racist organizations, and we know similar bounties with that link to the White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan of Mississippi were circulating in other prison systems, hmm. and he may have had that level of specificity where he was in uh, Missouri State Penitentiary. And so when he escapes, he's very likely in pursuit of tens of thousands of dollars for his assassination plot. And Larry, uh, you, obviously your book goes in a different direction than a lot of people would expect, which is that uh, many times the narrative is, oh, well, James Earl Ray was a patsy. He didn't really do it. You both agree he was the shooter, but you go further that this really was a conspiracy. And my question then is, Larry, why were not others brought in and charged? Um, You would think that uh, James Earl Ray would have implicated others to maybe reduce his sentence and so forth, why was he the only one that was ever charged with this crime? Uh, two answers to that. Interestingly enough, he did implicate others. When he entered his guilty plea, he told the judge the only part that he objected to were statements that no one else had been involved, which is kind of interesting. Um, mm. And he was hoping to get some some money off a series of articles and a book that was going to be written outlining the conspiracy. But to, to step back to your other question, really what happened the night, you've got to re- people that don't have that history, riots and violence broke out across the nation that night. Almost every major American city had riots, the National Guard troops were called out, cities were burning across the nation. And the Attorney General went on the air immediately saying that it had been the work of a lone nut. Uh, the and they were they were trying to uh, to I guess uh, give some thought uh, to to getting rid of these riots and demonstrations and creating a peace and not justice. We'll get more into this after the break. We'll be back. Don't miss it. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. If you or anyone you love has been diagnosed with lung cancer, asbestosis, or mesothelioma, your diagnosis may be the result of job-related exposure to asbestos, and you may be entitled to compensation. Call Capital Legal Group now at 800-400-LUNG. Law firms have successfully recovered over $2.7 billion for their clients in all 50 states. If you or a family member were diagnosed with lung cancer, asbestosis, or mesothelioma, visit 800-400-LUNG.com or call 800-400-LUNG. That's 800-400-LUNG. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. 
That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Join me, George Norrie, in Indian Wells, California, June 1st through the 4th for the Contact in the Desert UFO Conference, an epic weekend of exploration into ancient aliens, human origins, crop circles, and UFO sightings. More than 100 lectures, panels, workshops, and events with leading experts Giorgio Sukalos, David Wilcock, Linda Moulton Howe, Eric Von Doniken, Corey Good, Doc Wallach, and more. Get tickets at contactinthedesert.com. It's time to make contact, contactinthedesert.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Deagle, MD, AAEM, ACAM, A4M, of Nutramedical.com, and a consultant providing email advice free on advanced protocols for your optimized wellness and advanced technologies to heal and regenerate you. You can contact us at Nutramedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com, or 888-212-8871. You get free email starter protocols of our top medical-grade nutraceuticals, initial testing, and recommendations for your own primary doctor to do, as well as recommendations to give you an idea of a consultation and a full protocol to try to help you regenerate your tissues, heal naturally without the use of toxic polypharmacy. I can send test kits to you as well anywhere in the world and provide you recommendations for referral of specialty clinics worldwide. So contact me, Dr. Bill Deagle, at Nutramedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com or 888-212-8871. Bitcoin is losing crypto market share to other digital currencies. Bitcoin's astronomical rise has led to the creation of numerous competitors like Ethereum, Ripple, and Litecoin, which have also seen massive gains in value. According to Quartz, Bitcoin made up 85% of the crypto market one year ago, and today it has fallen to 36%. Remember, the only way to win in the casino is to take chips off the table. Call Miles Franklin at 866-485-4346 and let us show you how to quickly turn your Bitcoin into the 5,000-year-old safety of precious metals. Miles Franklin can quickly convert your Bitcoin to precious metals with one phone call at 866-485-4346. That's Miles Franklin celebrating our 29th year in business without ever receiving a customer complaint. Call us at 866-485-4346. Fast, easy, safe, and convert your Bitcoin into gold with one phone call. You're listening to Jim Paris Live. The book is Killing King. You can get it on Amazon. It is a hardcover book. There's also a Kindle version available as well. Is there an audio version available yet, gentlemen? No. No no uh, audio version yet? I don't believe so, but I'm not actually 100% sure. Okay, no worries. I, I know a lot of our listeners love the audio versions. Maybe that will be coming. So before the break, uh, Stuart, we were getting into the motivation behind uh, the government's lack of prosecution of the wider conspiracy. And this was J. Edgar Hoover, who um, engineered uh, you know what, what happened with the JFK assassination. And then here we are again, not exactly the same uh, story. We're, we're not claiming here that, uh, that uh, James Earl Ray was a patsy or anything like that, but it was more convenient for the FBI and law enforcement to pin this on one person because that would uh, help to reduce the rioting and the national uh, you know, unrest that was going on. Is that right? Yes, and it would also simplify the prosecution. You know, if, if you start going down the path of conspiracy, you open up the door for who's ever being accused at any given time to try and pin part of the activity or whatever it is they're specifically being accused of on another potential co-conspirator. So it simplifies the prosecution and it pacifies the country at a time when we had the largest deployment of armed soldiers domestically since the Civil War. Fascinating. And, and Larry, one of the things I, I was looking at today, which uh, I would have been three years old when all this is happening, so 
you know, I'm looking back at, at history. Uh, you didn't live it really. I was alive, but didn't experience it as an adult. And I found it fascinating that the arrest of the arrest of James Earl Ray takes place on June the eighth, which was just three days after the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy. Um, w- w- do you find? any connection there like wow we've got to do something we really have to do something now that there's a second assassination and do you think there was an inspiration by the shooter uh in the rfk assassination uh a copycat motivation or well if they can do it to martin luther king then i can do this with rfk i never realized the proximity of these two events and Stu and I have looked into RFK at great length as well, and I, it, it's stunning because I was live and adult at the time, and it was, it was very challenging having them both happen so close together. But the answer is most likely not because the people that in, had been involved in the RFK um, incident, there had been sightings and, and attempts against RFK for some weeks before the actual shooting in Los Angeles. Um, as far as Ray's arrest is concerned, what delayed that is the fact that when the FBI started investigating, they actually found multiple names, multiple aliases, and the and the FBI internally for some weeks thought that there were several people involved, regardless of what Hoover and the Attorney General were saying. They were actually investigating what they thought was a conspiracy, and it took them that long to focus down on Ray and by that time, he had actually managed to make it to London, but he was so out of money, he had had to rob a bank in London to even try to go further. Wow. That's fascinating how he was able to get out of the country. Was he at the time, Stuart, like a, a highly wanted man? I mean, were they, was his picture out and and uh, what would they have, like, a be on the lookout for or APB for him? Was he highly sought after from the beginning, or, or when did he officially become a suspect? Well, what happened was at the first, as Larry was saying, the investigation went in multiple directions because the material that was found in a green blanket not far from the rooming house was attributed to multiple different names. What it turned out to be, as they found out about two weeks later, were that all of these names, as well as the name of the person who rode a abandoned white Mustang that was found in Atlanta, all traced to one person, and that was James Earl Ray. At that point, we're talking about the end of April, last couple of weeks of April. He is one of the most wanted men in the country, if not the world. And, yes, his, his pictures are going out. Uh, some of the issues is that he has pictures taken where his eyes are closed, so they draw So this was open. like within, th- you're saying this was in within like three weeks? By, of... by around the end of the April, it was a big-time manhunt. Wow. And, and so he was able to withstand that for a good, like, five more weeks until he was arrested in... Of course, that was before the Internet and, and so forth, but it's still at that time, it would have been on television as well. Well, he had gotten to Canada within about a week of the, of the shooting, and that certainly would help him. He was, again, using multiple fake names, and Canada was a well-known pipeline to get fake identification and to get out of the country. And this time, unlike the first time after he escaped from prison, he actually eventually figured out the right way of going about doing this to get out. Now, t- tell me, Larry, about William Francis Pepper, William Pepper, who uh, apparently believed so much in the innocence of James Earl Ray that he even convinced Martin Luther King's family that James Earl Ray was not the shooter. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Ray was a very convincing individual. And, and you've got to, to, to answer that question, you've got to understand that Ray was a con man and a, and a career con- he, he convinced a lot of people. He convinced several of his lawyers that he was not guilty, that he'd been framed. He didn't convince them that he was entirely innocent. Uh, 
he never took that ploy. He, he took the approach that he'd been used, that he'd been manipulated. He, he made up this character called Raul that he claimed had been directing him for over a year and then set him up as a patsy in Memphis. And that's a, that's a very tempting thing to follow. It's very convincing. The thing about it is that Ray had done that in other of his crimes. He he knew that if he could blame it on someone else, he would have diverted attention. And and Pepper was a, was only one of several lawyers that that kind of went down that road because he was so convincing. Um, and and in the end, uh, Pepper was able to make a good case for conspiracy in a civil trial and at the behest of the King family and essentially won a civil case because there is so much evidence suggesting conspiracy and that Ray was not, you know, a a lone nut. And that's essentially, that, that's the story of the civil trial, was it proved in conspiracy, which had not even been brought up in the criminal t- trial because Ray admitted to the crime. And Stuart, did James Earl Ray go to his death uh, with holding fast to his story that he was not the shooter? Yeah, he, up until the very end, insisted that he was innocent of the shooting, that he was a dupe, that this Raul figure had duped him. Um, I would add one thing about what Larry had said. The other additional problem with the trial is... uh, both sides kind of wanted the same outcome. And it was a civil trial, but it was a civil trial for a measly amount of money uh, that the King family was asking for. And the person who they were suing, a guy named Lloyd Jowers, had, according to Pepper himself, been trying to get tens of thousands of dollars in a movie deal where he told the story of his alleged involvement in the King assassination. And so it would behoove him to actually lose the civil trial so that he would have this documented record that he could use to sell his script, his movie script, whatever it would have you, for a lot more money than he would have had to have paid the King family. And it sort of took on a life of its own. The the whole situation uh, became bigger than life. And uh, James Earl Ray, uh, I believe I had seen, uh, was he ever able to from prison, uh, do any televised appearances? Multiple. Um, and again, in, he always insisted uh, on his innocence, but other aspects of his story changed in multiple different iterations over time. So, yes, he's been, uh, he, was on, uh, he was on with Dan Rather on TV. Uh, HBO did a mock trial with Pepper and James O'Reilly. So he had been on on multiple occasions. That is fascinating. And I, I, I want to say that I, for some reason, I, I'm thinking Geraldo may have also uh, done an interview with him as well. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I think, uh, you know, one view that I have on this is a lot of people wanted to use the template of the JFK assassination. Do you find that uh, to be the case, Larry, that, that it, it happened in the same era and people thought, well, James Earl Ray uh, could be a patsy, uh, like what many people believe happened with, with JFK? That's absolutely true. In fact, there's, there's a temptation to use that same pattern, that same scenario for all of the political assassinations of that of that period, and it's just it is tempting to see them the same way. One of the things that makes it tempting is that in each of those three assassinations, there are so many things wrong in terms of lack of motive and problems with evidence that generally people don't they don't ex- accept the lone nut thing. So where do you go from there? Uh, you know, it's t- the tendency is to see them, if that's the same, to look at them all the same. I, I would add one thing to your question, though. Um, James Ray interestingly, may have admitted his guilt to one person. Uh, because of all of his courtroom appearances, he actually convinced a court stenographer to marry him. And so he became married while he was in prison. Really? And ultimately, she wrote that he did admit to her that he had been involved in killing King, and he thought it was no big deal. Wow. And 50 years have passed. Uh, 
50 years have passed. Did, has that brought a lot of media attention uh, to you and this book being the 50 years? Honestly, I didn't remember much discussion of this back last month. No, really, there hasn't. We were surprised. I think both Stu and I were surprised, and I'll let him comment. But we, we're used to seeing a lot of anniversary coverage of these these events, and surprisingly, there was very little, much much less than in previous years, especially in 50th. And yeah. I'd say that what, what coverage there was, and I don't, you know, I, I'm a history guy. I don't with heart and body extract. I started taking heart and body extract from within a few days. I started sleeping better. My blood pressure normalized. My diabetes normalized. My sleep improved. Experience these benefits and more when your body heals itself with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking Heart and Body Extract. Heart and Body Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Bacon lovers, we ship free. Try our amazing bacon. No refrigeration required. Proprietary value-added packaging provides 10 years shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Savory and delicious. Wholesale price for your everyday use. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. listening to Jim Paris live. All right. Well, we got a little bit of extra bonus coverage. I was watching my clock and I thought we were up for a break and uh, they just told me up uh, in, in Minneapolis, uh, there was a little bit of a technical issue. So uh, we got to go a little bit longer and now uh, we still do have our final segment here of about uh, nine or 10 more minutes. So gentlemen, we were talking about uh, the 50 year anniversary uh, which the 50 year anniversary of the JFK assassination uh, that was a really big deal. It was like everybody was camped out in Dallas, all the the networks. It was a, an amazing, uh, and people knew it would be that way years in advance. Martin Luther King, obviously not a president, but certainly someone I think that we all think of uh, as one of the important figures of of our of our time of the, of the last hundred years. Um, it's his anniversary of his assassination. Uh, seemed to go without much uh, much uh, mention at all. I would have thought maybe that the two of you would have been involved in like a CNN special production or or something significant like that. Well, as I was I was saying before, there was some coverage of sort of like the long term. This is what we lost type of uh, situation. There was an anniversary ceremony in Memphis where the King family attended. But there was almost nothing about the actual mechanics of the crime itself and what we make of the actual crime and how it happened. And we were somewhat taken aback by it, too, and disappointed that there wasn't as enough, there wasn't nearly as much attention on that. And, I mean, we could speculate, but I have, it, was, it was pretty bizarre to me, and I'm, I'm hoping that there's still time as this year proceeds that maybe we can get the public's attention because there's still things that can be done on this case to move it. You know, you know, we believe we have a pretty good assessment of, of the vast majority of what happened, but there's certainly gaps and certainly things that can be filled in. And if we can get the public's attention on it, we would very much like that to happen. Let me ask uh, you, Stuart, just like with the JFK assassination, there was an embargo of you know tens of thousands of documents, and and what really fueled the fire, uh, the flames of the idea of a conspiracy, was the government secrecy. Now, I have read that the government was monitoring 
Martin Luther King, that, that, that maybe even they had recordings of him, maybe embarrassing information about his personal life and those sort of things. What do we know about uh, the government holding information back still to this day that could be very similar to how they've embargoed so much information on the JFK assassination? In, in fact, the embargo, as you call it, which I think is a great metaphor, is actually much worse in the case of MLK than it is in the case of JFK. JFK, 90-plus percent of the files have been released to the public. MLK, there are uh, large portions of the central headquarters files that have been released from the FBI, but there are many field office files that haven't been released at all. I tried to get access to those. And they told me that they didn't have enough people at the National Archives to do it. And even worse, the JFK assassination, pretty much every single record from the House Select Committee's uh, uh, analysis that Congress reopened the, both the King and the Kennedy assassination concurrently in the late 1970s. In both cases, they found probable conspiracy. They've released the vast majority of files from their records on the Kennedy case, but they have released, and I'm not kidding here, basically zero of the records from the King case. Those files are under seal, and in fact, we only have some of them because they were accidentally released with recent Kennedy assassination releases. And if I could say my students have actually written a law called the Civil Rights Cold Case Records Act that was introduced in the House of Representatives and uh, you could go to coldcaseact.com if you're interested in this. In theory, it could be used to get at King files, and very much related to what you were saying, it would allow the government, through an independent review board, to take out the stuff that was all about Hoover trying to, you know, develop innuendo and rumors about King. That stuff can remain classified, and we could stick to the stuff on his actual assassination. Fascinating. Larry, is it possible that there could be some people living today that have blood on their hands? We do name names in the book. Um, we do talk about who we think was directly involved in organizing the conspiracy um, and, and connect the dots. And we were able to do that largely because of FBI investigative files that we can obtain now. But most of those people are deceased, but one thing that is clear is that there are individuals still living that were privy to aspects of this conspiracy. They knew it was happening. They knew what was going on, even if they weren't directly involved. And so, yes, there are people that could talk and give us the details, but the problem is this is not considered an open case by the Justice Department because Ray was convicted in court, um, Stu himself has talked to people at Justice, and even though we have names now that, that could be actionable, there's just no legal basis to go after it. Interesting. Now, Stuart, your book does not, this book does not take the direction, as I understand it, that the government was behind this, that that uh, Martin Luther King had reached the point that he was creating too much trouble, uh, had too many followers, and they had to stop him. There are those that, that take that direction with the conspiracy. Uh, tell me your, your thoughts on that in, as far as the direct allegation of, say, the CIA being really behind this. I would suggest to people to really take a close look at both the historical context in which he was killed and where Martin Luther King stood in the American pantheon at the time that he was killed. And what I think would become clear is the last thing on earth they, the government would want to do, as much as they probably did not like King, as much as something of a thorn of a side in their side he might have been, is kill him because the number one thing that they were worried about was civil unrest. And if you're worried about civil unrest, killing the one last guy who is actually has a still has a esteem in the African American community and is calling for nonviolence, 
you're leaving the field completely alone to people who are radical on both the white supremacist side and the black nationalist side. Yeah, agreed. It would it would make no sense. Uh, you know, Martin Luther King as a martyr would be a far more dangerous proposition than than anything he was doing while he was living. As you said, he was a peaceful man and uh, was was not one uh, to take up arms or in any way promote violence. Um, is it true, Larry, that there was blackmailable information the government had? on Martin Luther King, and was he, in fact, ever blackmailed? Do we know that? Interestingly enough, what we do know is that the FBI Director Hoover ordered a smear campaign using some tapes and some phone taps and room taps. The interesting thing is they took that directly to King's family and tried to leverage King directly. There is no sign, however, that that information was ever leaked or fed out, or used as blackmail, um, which suggests it really wasn't that critical. They, it suggests they really didn't have that much of a case. All they could do was try to harass him and his family directly. Fascinating. Now, just in closing, for those people that want to go visit the museum, I'm sure you've both been there. Uh, I haven't been in it. I, I was on the outside of it, didn't have time that day to actually go visit it. What are some of the significant things that we would see in that museum? Well, I'll be honest. I'm I'm actually trying to get arranged for my students to go in. I haven't been able to go in because my understanding is it's incredibly difficult to actually get reservations to go in. It's free and massively popular. Um, so I have not yet been in the King Museum in Washington, D.C. In Memphis, where the actual assassination site, I've been there. And, that's, that's what I was uh, asking about in particular. Okay, that, well, you could do two things. You can go through the Lorraine area, where they give you a lot of perspective on civil rights and Martin Luther King's history as sort of like a general position. And then you can go across the street to Bessie Brewers, which is where the rooming house where the alleged shots were fired. You can, and you could get a firmer understanding. Yeah, you can kind of visiting spot. like visiting the same site of the JFK assassination, which would give you chills as it has for me in both cases. Uh, the book is fantastic. It's Killing King. You can get it on Amazon.com. Stuart Wexler and Larry Hancock, thank you so much. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. Talk to you next time. Hi, this is radio talk show host Jim Paris, and if you are like me, you hate all of those monthly bills. Well, I reached the point about three years ago that I decided enough was enough, and I went to war with my personal stack of monthly bills. I canceled cable TV and legally connected my television to the internet, and now I get hundreds of free TV channels, and I don't pay for cable TV. I found a little-known way of getting free home phone service for life, and I discovered a totally legal way to opt out of Obamacare and cut my health insurance bill by more than 60% per year. If you want to learn more about my personal war on monthly bills, check out my website, ChristianMoneyPlus.com. That's ChristianMoneyPlus.com. If you're just plain sick and tired of those monthly bills, check out my website, ChristianMoneyPlus.com. It's a no-brainer. A Big Berkey water filter is the one you need, period. You need a water filter that removes chlorine, fluoride, pharmaceuticals, BPA, and other endocrine disruptors, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and much more, right? And does it all at only two cents per gallon. Get the original and most trusted name in gravity water filtration, Big Berkey. And now GCN listeners receive 5% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN. Call or click 1-877-99-BERKEY or BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com.